Day 3, Year 100 of the Dawn The Serpent and the Stone God made nothing ugly on this earth. The only thing ugly is evil. George Gomez, The Music from the Water What's wrong with wanting to be worshipped like God? And what was it like for Lucifer as he fell from heaven? Did his countenance experience a radical metamorphic change on the way down? Did he always want to be like God? He must have been incredibly striking to be the chief musician of the heavenly host of angelic beings. And I can't imagine how dark and deceitfully distorted he must be now. Why did he want to be worshipped as God? For that matter, why on earth would I want to be worshipped as God? Do I actually think I'm divine, or that I am God? Why would I ever want to be more like God? To be made in His image is enough. I mean, I know myself, my weaknesses, my strengths, my secret sins, my fears, my doubts. Believe me, I know I'm not God or anything like Him. Even in my most noble hour, selfishness drives me. At the end of the day, it's all about me. If there is a God, and of course there is, because I have been with him in the garden and have experienced his captivating presence, he becomes the answer that swallows up all the questions one could ever have. He is like power, like presence, like energy pure energy emanating from a multifaceted, compassionate personality who is loving and kind, who permeates my body and my senses like a warm, balmy breeze or an ocean of calm. And every cell of my body is alive, healed, known, and cared for. Oh my goodness, I could go on for years. This is my experience with God. When you are with him, nothing else matters at all, and you always want more. But now, you are in the more. So you revel in the more, and all you want to do is to stay there forever and ever in his presence of more. So, I'm wondering why I even got tempted by the thought of being like God. I know, I know, the serpent's reasoning was extremely subtle, and I had no idea what hardship was because I had been so sheltered in the garden. How was I to know anything about what might be outside the garden? It wasn't just one day that I happened to bite the forbidden fruit. Like, I walked by and heard the serpent calling and leapt at the opportunity. No, not at all. It was little by little, bit by bit. The serpent was so sneaky that way. I opened the door to him a tiny bit, then a teeny bit more, and that was how it happened. But still, the question remains, why? What I know of God is that he cares for Adam and me, so profoundly. At the same time, he cares for all the animals and his creation. I personally don't have time for all of that caring, nor do I have a large enough heart to personally tend all of creation. I'm a woman, after all. I'm thinking about love, sex, doing my hair, which is beautiful, by the way. 
I think every color that has ever been, far more than your vaunted 256 million colors, are in my strands of hair when the light shines through them. Sounds impossible? Yes, and totally mind-glowingly cool. Adam and I were perfect before the fall. Yes, he had amazing hair too, and he never feared once of losing it. We knew that the hairs on our head were numbered. It was like every single detail was so poignant then. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. So the crafty serpent whispered his enticing lies about being like God, and I listened. What was I thinking? I do apologize. I know it all started with me, and you're probably suffering because of it. And you're thinking as you read my thoughts that I was one stupid, selfish, I know, I know, you want to say it, so I'll say it for you. Bitch. Pardon my French. But, in all fairness, haven't you listened to whispering lies and seducing words before you took your first bite of temptation? Like I said, that one moment when you were a child, but no longer a child, when you did something wrong and you did it deliberately and you knew it was wrong the minute you did it. Life in the garden was so delicious, so sublime. Why did I feel I needed more? Or did I need more? No, I wanted more. I wanted to know myself better, not realizing that with the creator, I was already fully known. I felt I needed to know the secrets of the universe, only to find out that it would have been so much easier not to know. The bite became a hanging bridge that led me further and further across the abyss and down a path of death, leading me away from my creator, my love, my home, my heart, my security, my all in all, and my perfect Adam. After I took the bite, Adam took his. Then it was just one bite after another, which eventually became biting and devouring each other. What was the point of all that knowledge when I had left the perfect peace of the garden? If I had known, I mean truly known, I would not, of course, have eaten that bite. I say this to give myself some comfort not mainly because what I did banned me from the garden forever. Well, not forever. I'll explain more later on. But I tell myself this because of all of the destruction the world will know, has known, since the fall. Lucifer fell from heaven, taking one-third of the angelic beings with him. I fell from grace. Adam fell. And we took all of humankind with us. Now, why did one-third of the angels fall with Lucifer? Did they regret it? And why did Adam take a bite? He did not have to, did he? No, of course not. He could have remained the perfect man and maybe found a way to redeem me. You know, like reason with God and do something to buy my way back to the garden. Why didn't he love me enough to say, God, take my life instead of Eve's? which would have been the most amazing act of kindness and true love, and perhaps bought us both back. Now wait, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm really on edge about this Adam thing.
Why did he take a bite? I'm sure I wasn't that convincing. He must have wanted to do his own thing, too. Adam, really, you were the first one created. I would have thought that you might have been a little bit stronger since you were made in the image of the creator and all. And didn't God tell you directly not to eat of that tree before I was even fashioned? I, on the other hand, only heard it from you. Why will people think I was the only one deceived, the one who bit the apple first? Will this be another lost-in-translation moment? Oh well, who really cares now? The gist of the story is we both ate, we both fell, and all humans have been falling ever since. Perhaps men will be in charge of history and feel more comfortable blaming me, blaming women in general. Women have gotten the raw end of the deal, don't you think? We are the largest, most continually persecuted group of people in the history of the world. Being generally the weaker sex physically hasn't helped us either. I admit, I feel angry at God. But shouldn't I be first angry with Lucifer? That creep, right? Chosen of God to be his chief angel, his musician, his most enlightened one, why didn't Lucifer stay in heaven and just be second best? What was his problem? I'd like to pop him between the eyes. Why didn't I? Eve, you are so lame, I keep telling myself over and over. Next time, if there ever were a next time, I would definitely crush that serpent. And in a sense, I do, later on, with the heel of my seed. You'll see. It all works out. It's like Paul Harvey will say on his radio show, the rest of the story. For those readers too young to remember Paul Harvey, Google him. But do you really want to hear the rest of the story? Most people don't, but they should. It's really cool. The coolest story ever, even if it were metaphorical, it's cool. Like the best movie you'll ever see based on a true story. So, Lucifer, you big creep, you had to claw your way to the top, be the next big thing. Just had to be the super hot rising star musician of heaven and get yourself a following. Then, when having a band of angels singing with you was not enough, you desired to be worshipped as God. So now your fan club consists of fallen angels that became scary demons that not only enticed me in the garden, but have enticed and tormented my children throughout generations. I will tell you some of the ways he torments. It will blow your mind and make perfect sense to you. All you have to do is stop listening to the liar, which, of course, I did not do at that time, but I did later. Isn't that a good parent, after all, to admit, I made these mistakes, so don't you make them? If only you would listen to me and not him. If only I had listened to myself. My true inner voice was saying, no, don't eat that apple. Don't listen to this slimy serpent and his slithering tongue. If I had had one stone that could have crushed that serpent's head, it would have been this stone. Shut up. 
If I had listened to my inner voice of reason, or to the soft, strong voice of the Creator that I was accustomed to in the garden, I may have been able to shut out the sound of the serpent's lies. Those lies were like a rope that went into my gut, and without me knowing it, began to twist everything around inside of me, until I couldn't hear my inner voice. Everything got very confusing. It was like listening to a philosophy, and the words start out good, or so it seems. But pretty soon, it's like you're swallowing a can of worms, and the worms become philosophical tapeworms that dig in deep to eat the real truth. You feel disoriented, but enlightened, in a way. Then soon, you feel disconnected with the simplicity of the garden and the pure fellowship with the Creator God, which is so easy, really. It's not that hard to know your place in the order of the world and the universe. When you begin with, He's God, I'm not. I, Eve, am created to be in love with my Creator, to be in love with my perfect Adam, and to be the woman God desires me to be. Adam and I are made to enjoy nature and adore the talking animals as we tend the garden God made for us, and to eat of the garden's creator-approved fruits. No big deal. No hassle. No mess. No sin. No death. We had it made, Adam and I. The angels were created to worship God. When a third of them fell, they decided they wanted to be worshipped. They will later appear as aliens, ghosts, familiar spirits, talking animals that spit out lies, like the serpent. Oh, I forget as I ramble on, they might not believe in Lucifer, or in evil, or even in spiritual forces. Huh, that is so weird to me because it is the most normal thing. The Garden of Eden was magical in the most peaceful sense like a still pond or bubbling spring. The serpent's words were like a drug, an extraction from nature that has been perverted, like LSD or heroin. Oh, give me more. Until now, it is in my veins, has made me ill, and I'm outside the garden experiencing the curse, and I have no way back in. No more peace. I am connected to a foreign substance that is causing me to be diseased. Diseased. No longer can I experience the tranquility of the garden. The difference with being connected with God is peace. Inner peace. My descendants will later set up institutions of half-truths and teach people watered-down lies that they will form into philosophies, and there will be forms of godliness. But many will deny the power of God. Some of these will give drugs to those who simply need to find the garden again. Of course, some drugs will be good. But the pure, simple essence of the Creator Elohim will be lost in all the grandiloquence. The diagnosis-frenzied, over-educated persons will often label the guilt of sin as a mental illness instead of calling the kettle unclean and help the poor guilt-ridden patient find redemption and peace at an altar of forgiveness. Listen, I don't care if you believe me. I'm writing these words for your own benefit. 
You are my distant children, after all, and I feel that I need to share my thoughts before I leave the earth. If they burn in your heart as truth, then drink up. If you're mocking me or snickering at my simplistic outlook and don't want to believe the pure truths I speak of, then so be it. Live your life. I'm not one to judge. Look at me. I'm partially to blame for bringing to the earth the first taste of death. I just grieve that many of you will be trapped in these warrens of lies. The deceptions disguised in many kinds of lofty words will choke the very life out of you in the name of whatever god, religion, or philosophy they happen to be proselytizing. I'm writing these memoirs for those who want to know, for those who want the certainty that will give them liberty freely. Stop. Take a deep, long breath. Listen to your inner voice. Do you have peace? Deep peace? If you do, then you have already crushed the serpent with your own stone of truth. If not, take this stone I offer you, called silence, unknowing that God is with you. He loves you. He created you and will be with you. He was always with you and has made a way for you to know him. See it in your hand, a glowing rock of ages. Throw it at that yapping serpent, then his words will be silenced. And then the quiet truth will grow out of your gut and create a space, a bubble of protection around you, and there will be no more confusion. I wish I had done that before I ate the forbidden fruit. I'm doing it now, even as I write. I feel it inside, a stillness, a sure, small voice that dispels evil and shatters the house of cards, built on dishonesties with no sure foundation. I walk on in a large, open space. No, I float, actually. I'm floating high above the matrix of the created things of Earth. The stone has crushed the serpent's head. Huh. There is a way back into the garden again. I know it. And I will find it. Silence came in search of me. I opened the door to silence. I was ushered into a great hall where reverberations chimed in an eternal gleam. The rhythm of the silence created the next note of my stanza. Silence sang to me. Silence whispered to me. Silence danced with me. Silence became the wings of my wind. Silence is my one stone of truth to quiet the chaos. Silence gave to me my voice. I began to sing. Laurie Matisse